0: Hey everybody, this is Kelsey Kemp. Welcome to Answer the Call. This is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead an incredible career that's aligned with it, so you can make an impact for the kingdom with the decades of work ahead. Today we get to hear from Gavin Menachini. He is so inspirational, and I know that you'll love his story of going from photography and having his own business in photography, to tech sales, to now essentially functioning as a sort of co-founder with a really leading role at a booming virtual reality tech startup that I cannot wait for you to hear about. This is going to be big slash kind of already is. Uh, And you'll also get to hear from Gavin of how he's leveraged networking really skillfully and gotten in touch with influential decision makers and how you could do the same in your own career pursuits. I love all the examples he gave and practical instructions. So that's super, super helpful of what you're gonna hear there. In addition, a super fascinating element to our conversation was all around investments and getting into the investing world and gaining financial freedom, particularly through real estate, and also his perspective with startups too. So this could not be more fascinating and fast-paced of a conversation. Buckle up, maybe take some notes, and I hope that you enjoy. Gavin, we're rolling. Welcome. And let's just kick things off with a quick, like who you are and what you do now, and then Mm -hmm. we'll rewind to get more of the interesting career story that got you to this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Kelsey. Excited to be here. Uh, My name is Gavin Minakini, And then right now I work at a fun virtual reality startup called Immersed, and I'm a strategic account executive here, which is a sales and business development focus. Uh, But since I work at a startup, there's a bunch of other hats I wear too at our company.
0: Okay. So many things that you are so good at just quickly explaining that, but let me just highlight the virtual reality startup thing. That is so fascinating. So, so, so fascinating. And so I'm excited to dive more into, well, actually let's take a chance now to hear a little bit more about what Immersed is and what y'all do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would love to share. And so it is very fun. Uh, so Immerse is a work in productivity virtual reality software and we make VR offices. And so we're partnered with Meta, which is now, which Facebook now turned Meta, which I'm sure most of us are probably familiar with now. We also partner with Microsoft and a big Asian company called HTC. And like I said, we make virtual offices. And so our product is, we sell it to individual consumers as well as to businesses. And then my role specifically sells to businesses and enterprise. And so there's kind of two main use cases are ways that you can use Immersed. And so the first one is, is that it's a multiple monitor and focus tool. And so I work on a MacBook Pro. Most people probably have MacBooks or you know some Dell PCs they work on for work. And so instead of you just being confined to your one laptop screen with Immersed, all you need is a headset. So we like to use the Quest 2 from Oculus and Meta as our favorite headset. And then you can have Immersed on your headset and your computer, connect your computer screen to your headset and then bring your computer screen into virtual reality and then duplicate it. It'd be the same thing as you having Three or four or five physical monitors, plug it into your computer and having an extension of your computer for more screen real estate. But now you can do that in virtual reality and you can shrink the screen, you can expand it to the size of an IMAX screen, you can push and pull it like Jedi with the Force. It really is pretty <laughs> crazy what you can do. And then all of the cool environments that we have in virtual reality, since you're kind of in a new world, since you're putting on a headset. Um, all the environments we've created are all designed to help increase your cognitive focus. And so if you go through our reviews, people tell us that they're way more focused and more productive and they get into a state of deep work or flow way more easily than they would outside of work. Uh, so that's kind of the main value of multiple monitors for more screen real estate, as well as at being a focus tool. And then on the collaboration side, uh, you can customize your own avatar that you can bring into virtual reality to look like you. And so instead of us having a fun Zoom meeting and Zoom was fantastic and been very helpful, obviously, uh, but there's one of the, the challenges and pain points with current companies and people is that lack of connection. And people just miss being in the office with their coworkers. They miss, like, hanging out at coffee shops, especially back in the day when COVID restrictions were a little bit more intense. And they had that lack of human connection and that quickness of communication you can have in the office. But now with MERS, you can beam into all these really cool conference rooms and offices and meeting rooms as your own avatar that looks like you and actually feel like you're sitting next to your co- your colleagues and your coworkers again, and then have your screens up and share your screens, just like if you were sitting next to each other in an office and like sharing screens on a laptop and recreating that sense of connection, a sense of communication and collaboration. And so... That's, that's what we do. And then we have some also some very exciting announcements coming out in the next three four months of how our software is evolving. But uh, we're not allowed to talk about it yet, but I can probably allude to it maybe a little bit later. We'll see.
0: Okay, yeah, be as mysterious as possible, please. Wow, that's incredible. I absolutely implore anyone listening to this or watching if you're on Spotify, that's the new kid in town. They have a video podcast that I'm now on. But yeah. go on Immersed website and watch the video. I just did that before hopping on to Zoom with you. It's it got me all amped up like that. Yeah, it's cool. Such an incredible product. So I'm excited to hear more about how you got into the elusive Mm -hmm. startup scene. (laughs) Whatever that makes it sound so flashy. It is flashy. (laughs) But first, going back, you started selling candles and doing photography. (laughs) So yeah, you had two businesses at the same time right out of college. First, Mm -hmm. can you take me back to, actually, this is more way back, I'm kind of curious how you picked your college major, because I remember when we caught up last, Mm -hmm. your thinking around that was so different and unique and compelling to me than how we usually think about picking a major.
1: For sure. Absolutely. We'd love to. And so um, going into AM, I decided to go to AM from high school for the community aspect. And then out of high school, I actually really wanted to go do vocational ministry. And so uh Jesus changed my life. I'm a believer in Jesus. I believe that he um, is Lord and God and has transformed a lot of different aspects of my life. And so I wanted to live my life for Jesus and really felt called to go into vocational ministry. Decided to go to AM and then just very generally at first wanted to get a business degree just because it sounded smart, but I was like, I'm gonna get a business degree to go into ministry. But very uh, careful, very soon after me going to college, basically towards the end of my freshman year, I felt like God was like t- uh, tugging my heart to potentially surrender that to him and consider other things. And I was like, okay, God, like what else is there out there in the world besides ministry? Like it's either ministry or bus. Like I'm not going <laughs> to go to the corporate world just for, yeah, whatever. Um but then as I was like in that period, I started to fall in love with photography out of nowhere. And I would not consider myself a creative or an artistic person by any means and there really wasn't any traces of that in my past either like we suffered you know some art classes when I was like in the third grade or something killing it drawing some stuff but killing um <laughs> it, yes <laughs> but really I really wasn't creative and then but I just all of a sudden out of nowhere scrolling going through Instagram look at professional photographers work and be like this is really cool and really fun like I actually really get into this and so then I got a camera slowly started getting into it falling more in love with it and as I was growing in my photography skill set just as a like as a hobby for fun, I feel like the Lord was telling me that I just need to surrender this idea of ministry. And then we thought about it for a while. And then over time I was like, okay, God, like I surrender this to you. I just want to do whatever it is you feel like you're calling me to do in my life. And I pray you just make it clear and I'd be excited about it. And it was crazy how fast I felt like God answered that prayer. And then out of nowhere, I just had this crazy passion and interest and deep curiosity about all things, entrepreneurship, like finance, like and in investing. And I didn't care at all about nowhere. <laughs> really out of nowhere. Like what? to the point where I was, I was a sophomore, as I, as I got to the point where I was like, okay, God, surrender. I just want to do whatever you want to do. Like early sophomore year to where halfway through sophomore year, I'm like, reading articles about interest rates on CNBC being like, this is fascinating, but I was like, wait, what? why do I care about interest rates? And so, and then one thing kind of led to another, um, and then I started learning more about just business in general, like reading books or watching YouTube videos, it's just very high level stuff. As the while I'm growing my photography business on the side um, with, uh, while I'm doing school. And then, in the midst of me kind of starting to cultivate the passion for photography and business, and then eventually merging together to start monetizing photography, um, I, I started realizing that I was like, I don't know why, like I want to do like business, eventually business management. And so, and then I started hearing about this unique degree called University Studies Business at Texas A&M. Essentially, what it is is a high-level approach to learning about marketing and finance and accounting all the major business classes and then having it be more generalized and I can also have two minors attached to my major and so I had an art minor and then a leadership minor attached to my business major um, but then I was considering that and then I eventually made the decision towards the end of my sophomore year to jump all into doing gathering photography which was my photography business of doing senior photos and engagements and very quickly evolved into doing weddings and then as I as realized you that if you got
0: an A&M <laughs> For
1: sure. Yes. So Ring by Spring by AM. It was a senior. Uh, it's very real and it was amazing for the business. And so uh, thank you, AM people who decided to hire me and be part of your weddings. That was great. Um, But then I very quickly was like, this is fun. I want to do this. And I can totally see myself doing this out of college. And as I looked at my, my, Um, choice for my degree. I knew that I wanted to have the MACE badge after I graduated because that would help me if I ever got in a position where I want to go to a W-2 job, which I eventually did, which we can get to later. Um, But I knew that university studies was going to be the easiest in the short terms. And I wanted that so that I could focus my time on building my gamut photography business. And then eventually, very shortly after, I got into doing Thomas Brothers Candles with one of my best friends, Chase Giles. Um, And so that ended up serving me. Um, greatly that my college workload was lessened so that I could focus more of my time and workload on building my businesses, which are things that I end up making enough revenue from that I could live off of after I graduated. And so it ended up being um, a pretty smart and savvy place, which I'm thankful for.
0: So smart, so savvy, because it, to me, just really plays on the point that most of college is really just about the networking. That's my hot take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and you were capitalizing that On by also being a small business owner Mm -hmm. in two different buckets. Yeah. And in that, even, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating to me that after that, you went into sales, which Mm -hmm. we'll get to. Well, how about now? Like, why did you actually transition from your photography business and Mm -hmm. the candle business, e commerce, to uh, going into working at Dialpad?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, so the transition to, uh, of what the photography looked like was I dove all into that college. I graduated from Mays with a the university Science business degree, kept evolving it to the point where I could do photography, and then Chase and I were building Thomas Brothers at the same time. And then after I graduated in May of 2018, I decided to do a gap year in College Station and that I wanted to stay and like take advantage of the low cost of living that is in College Station just to explore, like continue doing photography and in real estate. And then that's the year I really started pressing more into like investing and in, like real estate, all that stuff, which we can talk about later too. Yeah. Um, but then after that year of kind of studying and like doing photography, growing it, candle sales, learning about real estate, just other investing, just in general, um, I really wanted to move out to Austin because Austin's <laughs> like basically the wedding capital of, of the South and it's a real pop and fun city. The Hill Country is beautiful. There's like wedding venues popping up for days. And also it's like a really fun, exciting, young tech city. It's Don't kind of talk sense. it up too
0: much. We need people to stop moving here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for, no, for real, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's, getting, it's getting crazy. Um, And so then, and also felt like just a lot of peace from the Lord to move out there. And so yeah. did it, pulled the trigger. Um, and then I ended up buying a house in East Austin uh, to do this concept called house hacking, which we can talk oh. about later, essentially yes. buying a house and then having people come live with you uh, to help pay for it, to help pay for your mortgage and turn it more into investment. And then uh what, right, all like, as that was happening, it was with a, it was like a, within a four week period of moving to Austin. I felt like God was like, Hey man, you're done with wedding photography and I really want Wants you to move into the tech space, and so it was. It, that impression came from like feelings I was feeling internally, just time to prayer, like passions, like my passion for photography, just like sucked dry. God mm-hmm. also feel like at the same time, like my my inflow of leads and my business contracts, like everything wedding just stopped cold turkey, which had never happened before. I've always had a very consistent yeah. like lead flow coming in from like marketing efforts, and most of it was just word of mouth and developing relationships with couples at A and and other colleges, some wedding venues, etc. Um, And then people would come up to me and be like, hey, I know this is really random, but have you ever thought about tech sales? And I was like, you're like the fourth what person on Earth? in like three weeks. And so it was just this crazy assault of God being like, hey, like you're going to transition to tech sales. So then I started thinking about it, literally got on Google's like, how to build a resume, enter, because I didn't focus on like going to go, going to get a W 2 job because I had my photography business was doing so well. And I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do real estate investing in candles. And this is how the direction I want to go. Um, so I had to start from scratch. Uh, but very fortunately, had some connections in Austin that were friends who were in the tech sales space asking a bunch of questions. I just essentially went out of my way to talk with them and like learn as much as I can about the tech sales process. What do I need to know? What's the best way to get into a company? How do I get in with these people, what kind of skill set should I hone on? How do I build my resume to make sure that this is most appealing to them and pitch my resume and experience to them? Um, and then I got in contact with a friend at Dowpad, her name's Erin Leary, and she was very helpful, taught me a bunch of different stuff. And then I also had my older brother, who was working in tech sales at the time, help prepare me for the interviews. And it was a crazy process. I applied on a Monday and I had three interviews of the course for the week, and I had a job offer in my hand on Friday it was literally four days. And at the time I was talking with people who were like six, seven, eight, nine weeks into interviews. And when I was going into it, I was like, this is going to take forever. Like the whole process for most people was taking a long time. And I was going in thinking, oh, it's going to be like six, like six to eight weeks for me, even like you're back from a job. And I had a job offer in four days. And so I genuinely think that was God just pushing the doors open. I really don't think it was a lot of my skill set. I think it was just God just being like, Hey, this is where I want you. And then, Next thing you know, I'm cold calling vice presidents of why they should change their phone system to our cool outpad suite. <laughs> Boom. What a story.
0: I know all of us are thinking, God, can you treat me like that too? Like sometimes <laughs> the way he speaks yeah. to me, it's like, oh, darn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like not as cute and like, there's right. all these things. <laughs> but actually, it, um, just for a little pause in the right. career story. I know many people like me might be wondering how have you cultivated that yeah. sense of like real relational communication with God that has guided yeah. your
1: path. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it grows over time, and so as we continue to to walk in our faith and continue to walk after and learn more about Jesus and love Jesus more and love people and spending time in prayer and, and reading the Word, I think we we grow in a sense of um, being acute to the lord's voice and it's challenging and sometimes you miss it and we need a lot of help and there's a lot of grace in the process but i think everyone can point to probably moments where it was really clear god's trying to do something and maybe a little bit less clear and so i think just for this exact situation i think god was just like hey for you specifically gavin i'm really gonna make this super clear for you but in the process of uh doing that like just spending time in prayer and spending time like making sure that we're going to church and staying community not just for like checking the box of the sake of really religiosity but more so like those are byproducts um coming at the heart of us growing in intimacy with the lord and growing in relationship with him i think in that um god will bless and honor that we can learn to hear him more um but even in that process i think one other thing i asked for and prayed for a lot was wisdom and helping guidance like in the career process I mean, I know you obviously, I think you feel this too, Kelsey, but God cares about our careers and he cares yeah. about our professions. And I think if we invite him into that, and then I think specifically pray for, for wisdom and work ethic, and that would be like amazing stewards where God puts us. I really do think he's going to honor that. And I think I've just been the recipient of seeing that after praying that. And then honestly, God, I think at the end of the day is the one pushing everything forward. It's, it's all him doing it. And so um, I think I, those are probably some of the things I would say.
0: I'm really grateful for your perspective on that. And I know when we last met, you talked about the concept of like, I'm charismatic with a (laughs) seatbelt. Like I (laughs) I, you, IE, like know your word and know uh, God's character and how he, through the context of the Bible, we could see a million instances of how he makes decisions, what he cares about and how he guides people in the process of learning that we see that he is... (laughs) All powerful and can do wild things beyond our comprehension right. or ability mm-hmm. to even ask him for that level of blessing. Yeah. Um, but so that's like the seatbelt, you know, the context. Mm-hmm. It's not like <laughs> I don't know. You can be more trusting that you're not just hearing your own voice yeah. of asserting your will. Though of course that happens to all of us, right? Um, but mm-hmm. you are incredibly trusting and bold with God. I know you speak. I know you lead. I know mm-hmm. you uh, care about my career mm-hmm. yeah. and also. Your follow through with um, offering up your work et- work ethic to him too. Of mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna put in the work, I'm- and your even desire to ask him, "Would mm-hmm. you help me be an even better steward yeah. of my energy, my?" Uh, all my abilities, this opportunity mm-hmm. to even go into tech sales, mm-hmm. um, and also to steward your relationships, too, of mm-hmm. noticing I have so many people around me that know a ton of stuff about this, and I'm gonna yeah. ask them questions. Mm-hmm. And um before I go on and ask you another question, I think that's mm-hmm. one other point that I would love to highlight about your how you handled that whole situation is that you, really led by asking for a lot of advice. And when what I notice in talking with a lot of people who are looking to make a career change, there's Mm. an initial assumption that networking actually means I'm going to think through uh, the top of my mind, what are consumer brands that I Mm -hmm. enjoy? Those must be the only cool companies in the world to work for. (laughs) When (laughs) in reality, there's so many that are outside of your awareness. Uh All right. So I'm going to look at their website, fall in love with their marketing, which is for consumers and convince myself, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of company that I want to work for. And then you try to find somebody who works there and you just ask them a couple questions about what's the culture like, Mm -hmm. or... Um, more surface level things like that. And I've noticed there in the back of their minds, there's often this thought of, I already know I want to work here. So I'm just waiting to get to the punchline where yeah. I ask for them to get my resume to the hiring manager. But yeah. instead you are leading so sincerely with, I need advice, can you help? And people are so honored yeah. by that mm-hmm. and get practiced mm-hmm. in Actually, wanting to be your champion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And give you way more of a foot in the door through no. that kind of approach. Mm-hmm. So I just really noticed that about how you went about it. Do you have anything yeah. to add on that?
1: Yeah, no, thank you. That was, that was very kind. I appreciate that. I think those are all true. And I think just for networking, uh, you, you touched on like, what are some good ways for like people to network into companies and learn? I think, yeah, the attitude of humility uh, helps a lot. And always just like always being in a position of I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm dedicated to learning and always being curious and growing. And so learning, how can I grow and cultivate my skill set And like, how can I be an excellent steward? I think it's in Matthew 25. This Says it's that story of the talents where the yes. master gave five, two, and one. And like that, God wants us to take what's been given, grow it, cultivate it, and see literally growth and then bring back to him a return. And so I think that's applicable in so many areas of our life. Um, but from the networking standpoint, like always be meeting new people and then getting involved in your church or different groups. And specifically, if you're looking to break into an industry or career path, you need to find ways to, to place yourself in situations where those people are and then befriend them and then always be looking to add value to them. And so people are busy and people need like have stuff going on. And so how can you, how can you like be thinking about how to add value to other people and make deposits first before you take withdrawals from them? Um, mm. I, I had, Whoa. I had a mentor. Make I had a mentor. Deposits first. Yes. Yes. Make deposits first before you take withdrawals. Um, and so I've, i that's been so helpful. That piece of advice I had from a mentor. Um, and then another thing is that I've noticed is really helps a lot in sales is people, like if you can make, if you can be a great listener and people feel heard by you, you you'll be very successful in life. Like people will always remember how you made them feel more than the information that you share with them. And that goes so far. And even like even scripture points to this in Philippians 2, 4, it says that each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others, like be genuinely interested in other people. And I think if you're strategic about that and and doing that well, that people really want to help you in what you're doing. Um, And I found that to be really helpful too, just like is a a, a good rule of thumb to follow in life.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So now how do you actually get in touch with really influential decision makers? Because Mm -hmm. the nature of your role, I think you mentioned to me before, I really just cold call CEOs, I think, or executives, something like Mm -hmm. that might have been what you mentioned. And I thought, wow, I just, I know that is in a sales context, but how applicable is that to all of us who are Mm -hmm. needing to get in contact with influential Mm -hmm. decision makers even for other career paths. So how Mm. the heck do you do that? And then what's your approach in the initial email or phone call?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. So I did a lot of this at Dowpad. I do a little bit less of it now at Immersed, um, but just in general, getting in touch with people that you can get in touch with, um, kind of, there's kind of three main things I thought about. Um, but the first ones is do a lot of research on the person you're reaching out to. And are you sure this is the right person identifying that, but you have to be personalized and you have to be creative in your outreach. And so um, uh, there's a lot of salespeople or marketing people that are sending very generic messaging or very generic, they're not even trying. That is a hundred percent not going to work. You have to be creative. You have to be personalized and Needs to be short as possible. You don't want to have a lot of information. You want to make it as easily digestible as possible and straight to the point. That's really helpful. And then um, going on the concept of always making deposits first before you have withdrawals, um, do your best to figure out what that person cares about and see if there's anything you could do to help them or add value to them and like build that relationship with them over time. Uh, so, for example, um, if I here was trying to get into account and immerse and trying to get into account where I wanted to sell to like a vice president of it, and I would study what that it person cares about and say, I came across some articles that could be relevant to that persona of a VP of it. I could connect with them over LinkedIn. Hopefully they just have a connection request accepted and then send them like, Hey, or like engage with them on their socials and be like, Hey, it's a really good point. And like and start to build your brand awareness with that person. You can send them articles say, Hey, like, I'm sure you're probably thinking about XYZ challenges, found this article for you and just find ways to add value to those people in those contexts. You're trying to do, and that goes a long way. Um, and then, yeah, and then with the ask, getting to the point of trying to have a meeting with them, of um, from a sales context, you don't want to have a very, you don't want to be very overbearing on the ask. And so, instead of saying, "Hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time on Wednesday?" say after the cold message, uh, the the cold prospect message you send, say, "Hey, does any of this sound interesting to you? And we'll have like explore more. So have more of a soft ask. It's, it's been statistically proven to be a little bit easier, but that also depends on the yeah. context
0: soft ask. I like that. Like a, a get as many little yeses first before you ask for a larger one. I guess yeah. that's a concept I've heard of too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. On, um I don't know if you've ever heard of MasterClass of it's like a mm-hmm. new education platform. Uh-huh. Super interesting. Worth your subscription. Maybe hot take more than Netflix. And uh, I love it. Chris yeah. Voss, Chris Voss is was uh, one of the most successful FBI negotiators mm-hmm. in the history of that agency. And um, <laughs> he has this whole course on negotiation. So that's just a side mm-hmm. tip for listeners. You would find that so interesting. He breaks down mm-hmm. so many, de- he says, life is a negotiation. Every single mm-hmm. little interaction that you have is some sort of a negotiation. And so totally. how he gives a million more examples in so many different scenarios of like what you're saying, Gavin. Uh, so that's a little plug. I have loved watching that, but.
1: Um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So is there anything else that we should talk about in terms of your, let's say your day job? Otherwise we could talk about this fascinating realm of real estate that Mm -hmm. you were interested in, um, even from college. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, (laughs) can you give an overview of what your strategy has been and Mm -hmm. like, when you got your first house and explain more you teased a little um, bit about house hacking as a concept
1: yeah yeah absolutely so with real estate I fell in love with the idea of it after reading a book when i was a junior in college called rich dad poor dad i highly recommend for anyone who's learning to like wanting to grow in personal finance or just investing in general i think it's a great book that's really good really good concepts in there to pull out and start applying to your life um, with real estate specifically um i fell in love with it from the idea of like what it can turn into as an investment vehicle. And so whenever, when you look at stocks, like the only way that you can make money in stocks, unless you're buying a dividend stock, which I can explain in a second, is you buy at a certain price and the future rises to a higher price. And if the stock also has dividends, that means is the company has a large pool of profits and then they'll split their profits with their shareholders evenly based on the percentage of shares that they own. Um, But with real estate, there's four ways, there's four levers you can pull to generate income uh, and generate wealth creation, which is kind of the point of investing to generate wealth. And so with real estate, the the property can appreciate by itself in value. It can also create passive income streams. Uh, So you you buy a house and you have a fixed amount of expenses to run the house. And there's only only five expenses. And so you have the mortgage payment, you have the insurance, you have property taxes, potentially an HOA. And the fifth one is setting aside money for repairs, whenever stuff breaks inevitably. Um, And then if your rent income is higher than all five of those expenses, then you're making profit per month. Um, And then the third way is through um, taxes. And so there's... I'm probably people probably heard of real estate investors, maybe like having more tax breaks, probably more specifically with our old president, Donald Trump. Um, And so he has figured out the tax loopholes that are very legal and written to the tax code intentionally by our politicians, uh, that there's just a lot of tax advantages to real estate. Um, Oh man, I forgot the fourth one, but there's a, there's three, there's a, there's a lot of ways that you can generate income in real estate. Like that, like more so than uh, stocks and appreciation. And it also just seemed like a more safer, it just feels more safer to me. I can wrap my mind around it more. It's mm-hmm. a very simple business model rather than investing in some tech company that you like, you have no idea how their tech works and the future of all that works, but it's a whole nother spectrum. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the reasons why I like it, and then strategies of getting into it. Uh, so obviously, it definitely takes some money to get involved into real estate, but there are ways to get involved in real estate investing without having cash that are a little bit more um, creative and like requires a little bit more knowledge. But with just the investing approach in general, um, I think there's there's like three levers that are really important. Like if someone really wants to grow in investing in general, there's kind of three pillars. The first one is you have to you have to control your expenses, in like in order to save money to invest, and so you have to have that budget. And order to make sure that you can save money to in order to invest and then more so than controlling your expenses you have to make sure you can find ways to increase your income to have that delta of whatever you're spending per month um and then whatever you're saving for months savings going up and also continue to invest in education to get into there and so any any specific questions in there kelsey what i could like where i could take this Cause i feel like i could probably go five or ten different ways here
0: Ah, oh, yeah so many interesting ways let me think I'm, I am interested in more of what you've learned about creative financing. Uh, I okay. mean, first, right off the block, we could dispel the myth that you have to, this was often held by our parents who were under more of a eight to 10% interest rate when they were at right. the age of buying their first homes. But now mm-hmm. it is incredibly common to not put 20% down so that mm-hmm. already off the bat makes your cash required to purchase a house so much less. But yeah. what else have you learned about creative financing that makes it more accessible for somebody to get into mm-hmm. their first property?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a really big fan of first-time people really want to get into real estate doing something called house hacking. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit more challenging for married couples, um, but especially for single people, a little bit easier just because of relational dynamics. If a married couple wanted to buy a single family home or they'd rent out the other bedrooms, probably create some issues there (laughs) for privacy, just in general. But with a single guy like myself as well, and being more extroverted, um, I can buy a single family house um, and live in it as my personal residence and rent out the other bedrooms to help pay for the mortgage. And the reason that this is a good idea for the creative financing aspect is Whenever you buy a personal residence, there are more loan products out there that are more favorable and easier for you to get rather than you buying an investment property that you're not going to live in. And so for example, there's something called an FHA loan where you only have to put 3.5% down of a house for you to live there um, versus if you're an investor and you want to buy a single family rental, say it's a basic three bedroom, two bath house, and you want to rent out to a nice family, you have to put 20% down in order to get a mortgage. And so Obviously acquiring 20% down is a lot harder than getting three and a half percent down. And it's a lot more reasonable for people. And so um, I like there's just, and then also with more so than the FHA loan, you can also put 5% down. There's, there's just a lot of loan products to play around with that make it easier for you to get your own home. And also your interest rate will be lower if it's your personal residence than if it's an investment property. And so I'm a really big fan of the house hacking method, uh, buying a single family house, bring out the other bedrooms. But you can also, as a married couple, if you didn't want to do the single family bedroom method, you could also buy a duplex or a triplex or a quadplex. And then you'd still be able to qualify for traditional normal mortgages like an oh. FHA loan. And so for example, for a duplex, you could put a 3.5% down and uh, say you found like a $500,000 duplex in Austin, which probably is a little bit too cheap, probably more expensive. And if you're in Dallas or Houston or somewhere else, you can probably find one around that price point. Mm-hmm. You can live in the top or bottom unit and only put 3.5% down the entire property. You can rent out the other unit and the rental income from the other unit can greatly help offset the costs of your your total unit in totality and have it be more so of an investment and they can pay for all of your disposable expenses which are your property taxes the interest on your mortgage payment um, your insurance and then your, your repairs
0: mm-hmm. So neat. Um, This is why I'm such a fan of the hashtag that my favorite real estate education company, Open House Austin, Uh which they're national. It's not just about Austin, though, though that's where they started. But they started this hashtag houses before spouses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
0: It's so helpful because, oh my gosh, while you could live with an obnoxious number of people, do Mm -hmm. it. Oh my gosh, they're going to be paying your mortgage.
1: Yes, I I totally agree. I am I'm like a, and I'm sure you can probably notice at this point. I'm definitely kind of a little like crazy in my approach to finances and aggressive goals. But it. I'm very I'm very much pro. As we're younger and scrappier, and like especially coming out of college, used to living on a low budget. Um, naturally, as you progress in your career, your income should rise over time, unless you're like more nuanced and specialized, like a teacher or whatever. There's some other exceptions there, um, but even then, there's opportunities. But your income should rise over time naturally, and if you can keep your expenses low and then like shovel like away money into investing, like and do a little bit. More higher risk, take more risk when you're younger because if you fail, it's like it's whatever. Like you have your whole life in front of you, and also you're gonna learn some really valuable lessons. But you can kickstart that net worth growth for all sorts of stuff you want to do in the future, for like to paying for your retirement or being able to like start funding your kids' college education or going on vacations with your family. Or if you want to increase the amount that you're giving per month, you can do that now, like because you have investment money coming in. Like you yeah. want to fund more charities and nonprofits, or you want a nice car, like you can pay for those things. Um, so yeah, there's I'm just. Really Really pro like while we're younger, how can you push really hard? Even if for th- three, four, five years, just to really get that ball rolling. And you're, I just think when you're 30, 35, and it's, it's going to come so quickly, uh, like time is moving so fast. And I think that hit me really hard when I was a senior, just being like, man, time is moving really quickly. And I can start to see that how important it is to have good habits and have good disciplines. Because the next thing you know, you're just going to look up and it's going to be six months later, like it's going to be July 4th, like tomorrow. And right now it's January 21st. And what kind of habits you have in place now that are going to help you be successful in the future for some of your financial goals.
0: Were you always like that? Or when did, was it that moment that you're mentioning senior year or what really caused you to, what feels like to many bite the bullet and have Mm -hmm. essentially a long-term mindset Mm -hmm. versus fixation on short-term gain and pleasure
1: yeah. yeah yeah that's a really good question i definitely think there's a little bit about me i think everyone is a saver or spender and they're on a spectrum of saver to spender so i think i'm definitely on the saver side but more so i this may sound weird but um as as i was like getting older i was paying attention to some of my older friends and i was just like sitting back and watching their life and what they're going through and what they're talking about just being like life's expensive like there's a lot of stuff in life that just costs money, just objectively, yeah. And it's not about like loving money or like have to have the most money, but it's more so like there's a lot of things that I really want to do in the future that I think would be really beautiful and impactful and fun. And those things demand money. And so how can I be a really good steward of this even more so is like my role as a believer of like God calls us to be excellent stewards. So how can I do it from that perspective? Um, but also, um, I think like the, the, the idea of compounding interest is fascinating to me. And even to start to see the little bit of the rewards from that is really rewarding. And I think everything that's really good and powerful in life, like takes discipline and determination and work ethic, like um there's there's so much satisfaction and like when you put so much work into something and you really care about you were careful about it you put sacrifice and diligence and excellence into and we create a product you're really proud of like when you're in college like mm-hmm. you have that crazy paper that was like 25 pages and like you worked on it and you got an a like that feeling of like i put so much effort and energy into it and like the satisfaction yeah. of doing a job well done mm-hmm. i think is a really holy thing um and so t- translating that to investing I found a lot of fun in like seeing success from investments just in almost like it's like a game. So I guess I'm maybe a little weird. It is a game. I think that life is honestly a video game.
0: (laughs) Maybe I'm talking to the
1: exact right person.
0: Because whenever I say that, they're like "Uh My friends, <laughs> but you yeah. literally work for a VR startup. So yeah, no, literally. No, for <laughs> we sure. We <are> might be aliens.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. It's so there's there's just a lot of fun and like building something and putting like really hard work and ex like an excellence and diligence into something and seeing that thing succeed. I think that's a really holy thing, generally. Like God wants us to work and put our hands to work and create value. Um, and so I think that I found that to be really fun, and especially in investing. So I think just kind of the combination of naturally a saver. Uh, also like I have really crazy goals of I'd really love To be totally financially independent by the time I'm 30. And so, which is kind of crazy. But in order to, have success in crazy, audacious goals, if you want that outcome, you have to put crazy inputs to get a crazy outcome. And so, mm-hmm. which demands like me studying or investing in real estate and, and stock trading and crypto stuff and all this stuff, mm-hmm. I think is interesting, but also I think I'm also wired that way too. And I don't think that everyone should be as psychotic as saving 60% of your income and spending hours on end studying all this investing stuff. But I just think that's kind of direction God pushed me toward for a lot of different directions. And plus, I generally thought it was fun, um, but I do think there's an element of stewardship that... As people in general and even as believers yeah. that we should be careful stewards of our finances um but looking like look like the don't take the one marshmallow now but take like think about the two marshmallows later and have some discipline yeah. and think about some good things in your life that where you were disciplined and how fun the reward was after hard work and sacrifice and patience and, like it being mm-hmm. worth it the vast majority of the time it is wow uh, i'm inspired
0: aren't we all um what i'm kind of curious technically how you Consider uh, financial independence because mm-hmm. I've kind of yeah. recently heard a few different ways of thinking about that. Like, is yeah. it just making sure that all of your comfortable even living expenses are covered mm-hmm. by passive income? Or how would you categorize that?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a spectrum and everyone's gonna have their own individual definitions. But I think to some point it's gonna be a to where you don't have to necessarily go to work for money anymore, or you're not like you don't have to be as concerned about money as you were. And so for me specifically, that I means since you're creating a passive income stream that exceeds my current living expenses and then have that continue to steadily grow as I hope to get older and have a family kids. I hear that they're expensive. So I want to be able to pay for them. And so I, I want to have that naturally grow too over time to pay for my living expenses. Um, and then And so I would call that financial freedom to where I don't have to go to work anymore, but I I just, I'm just not going to, that's just not going to be me. I just more so want to free up my time to do what I'm truly passionate about and things that really excite me and that having a consistent passive income stream that exceeds all my living expenses, that gives me the freedom to go run after the things that really excite me. And I don't have to like, have to go to work anymore. Like I want that choice to be able to to do what I want to do. Amen.
0: And are you primarily accomplishing that through real estate or other Mm -hmm. means? Because I know you mentioned other uh, investment vehicles. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I want that to mainly be done through real estate, but kind of when they kind of go into the immerse like transition of how it even got into immerse in the first place. Yes, um, so I was, so I was working at Dialpad. uh, realized I had a knack for sales, was having a whole lot of fun there. Uh, and then halfway through that experience, I got to meet my current founder and CEO, Renji Bajoy, uh, through my church, I go to in Austin called the Willow Community Church and I uh, had a friend connect us. And he was like, Gavin, you got this guy named Renji and you guys are going to be boys. You guys are still going to vibe with each other. And that totally ended up happening. And Renji just was just one of those people that I'm sure everyone probably has one or two people in their life that you meet them and within 10 minutes, you're just like, we're going to be best friends for a long time. Just like Click is there and that was mm-hmm. Renji. Uh, and then naturally over time, as I got to know him, he told me about a startup, which I shared about earlier, which was Immersed. And I've always been really interested in the tech startup world because I'm, I'm deep down. I really am kind of a little bit of a nerd on the tech scene, um, but also the entrepreneurship aspect of it. So it's this kind of cool blend of I love tech. And like, this is like a purest, most high risk, high form of entrepreneurship tech startups, where it's like you fail or it's like super successful. Um, and so that was fascinating. And then VR has always been interesting. And so then eventually Renji showed me immerse And this was like over two years ago where it was like really beta. Like it was really, really beta, <laughs> super but uh, beta. <laughs> super beta. But I uh, I remember putting on the headset and connecting my computer screens and I was immediately mind blown. I was like, this is 100% the future. I totally see it going this direction. I was fully convinced within seconds. And I immediately got a grip for it, understood it, saw the value, what it was doing. And Renji was like, you picked this up so quickly. And I was like, well, one, because I was a gamer growing up and I'm a living a nerd deep down secretly. Uh, and then two, um, I just totally see it. And then we naturally developed a friendship and then over time, uh, I joked with him. I was like, dude, I would literally quit my job and come work for you if you ever need a sales rep. And so, like, there's like there's that kind of bold like pr- presentation of like, I will literally quit my job, come work for you. Um, and then uh, he COVID happened, it ended up obviously being COVID, COVID was COVID, but it ended up being a huge blessing for immersed because at the time it was kind of a crazy idea that you can like work in VR. That was like, what's even a thing? Then COVID happened, and a bunch of venture capital firms and potential investors were like, wait a second. Everyone in the world is working from home. Companies can't go in the offices anymore. The sense of connection is going to go down. Collaboration and productivity is going to go down. Your idea makes a lot of sense now. Like, I'm going to invest in your company. And so at the time, there was only six of them. And then uh, they received a pretty large round of funding for the set, the, the tiny seed stage company they were. And then Arinji uh, was like, hey, man, like our enterprise interest is growing exponentially. As I've gotten to know you, I think you'd be a great fit for a company. I'd love for you to come on and be one of our first sales reps and then help me build out our sales work and help me with like go-to-market strategy and essentially really operate candidly as like a VP of sales or like chief yeah. revenue officer. My, and sales rep in general, it's kind of combination. And I immediately was like, where the heck do I sign? And so I say all that to say, um, I took a significant pay cut to, in order to come join Immerse. But the flip side is, is to have equity in the company in the form of stock options. And so this goes back to like, this was my finally my first opportunity to lean more into, I really do believe like people should be doing high risk, high reward activities more so when you're younger, from an investing standpoint. Um, so what I mean by that is if you have a $1,000 to invest per month, just to make it easy around numbers, when we're younger, a good chunk of that should go towards high risk, high reward, while making sure you're still investing conservatively. And as you get older, you should shift more into conservative, um, just because we have time to if we mess up it's no big deal like your income should be rising whatever and so immerse was that opportunity for me to find like this is the high risk high reward thing that i really want to jump into um, and what was also cool is i also had the opportunity to invest in immerse as an investor before i even joined the company and so then i was even more financially incentivized to see this do well and then i was able to do that because i was a maniac and living real below my means while i was working at dialpad and so when i think about like how am i going to fund my financial future I'm, I'm i'm really putting a bunch of chips in the table of hoping that immerse will do well and if we have exit that will help the the offset of me instead of working at tech sales and having a higher income working at tech sales and saving aggressively there should be hopefully an exit one day to where I can leverage that to then put that into real estate to pay for passive income streams um, and then the upside would be if immerse the, the better immerse does the upside will be tremendously higher than if I was just at a, a tech sales startup and so i'm really playing a higher risk higher reward bet on immerse um, um And it's been really fun. I've learned a lot along the way, but that's kind of the approach I take now. And most of my real estate stuff is like on the side since I'm probably averaging 55, 65 hours a week, sometimes 70 working at our startup. Um, but it's been a whole lot of fun and things are starting to click. And so it start to see, it's fun to see all this stuff start to come to fruition. Hopefully Lord willing, we can we get to an exit point where the, the financial reward is there too.
0: Yeah, that's remarkable to me that you already were ahead of the game in terms of, You didn't wait for someday to happen with getting your first house and trying out for yourself, Mm -hmm. learning Mm -hmm. through experience of what all this house hacking business is. You Mm -hmm. already purchased a home, if I'm not mistaken. Do you you have more than one?
1: Yeah, I have uh, a few cross-exes, yes.
0: Okay. So you already had that all set up when you happened Mm -hmm. to be at a higher level of income. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you weren't predicting that you were going to get this... um, Uh, like early employee, high equity opportunity Mm -hmm. where you're taking Mm -hmm. a low salary for that. But Mm -hmm. because you just got in the game, Mm -hmm. now you already have all this other income source set up. Your housing uh, costs are likely all canceled out. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're making even a profit from it. And so that made it an even more comfortable. yes. Yeah. Or yeah. Ease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if easy is the word. Uh, well, no, you were a heck yes. Yeah. So an easy yes to mm-hmm. say, no, let's cut my salary as much as possible. How much equity are you willing to give me? Yes. And so don't wait for the principle I'm taking from that is don't wait for tomorrow or yeah. someday. If you have enough knowledge to get started and yeah. some money to work with, go ahead and start applying these, um, Investment techniques. Yeah. And just get started, especially if you have an advisor or someone older and wiser than you, just checking your decisions before you go in on it.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Then look what happened. Yeah,
1: no, that's, that's a really good point. I'm really glad you touched on that too, that I was very fortunate to, to be in a position where I could take that huge pay cut and it was, it was, it was really considerable too. And at first I was like, oh gosh, it's going to be painful, but I, I saw the opportunity. And because of all the things you mentioned of setting up house hacking, the other passive income streams that weren't like significant, but it was a good chunk to help offset that salary, huge salary reduction. Um, it allowed me to take that risk of going in and like what you mentioned, I saw the opportunity and I took an even greater risk. I said, Renji, I want the lowest salary you're yeah. to give me in the highest Amount of equity he go okay, and so I and I had to figure out how to be scrappy over the past 18 months of living really well below my means because I, I couldn't, I literally couldn't afford it because of the significant pay jump. But fortunately, as merch keeps growing. The equity value is growing. And then as we hopefully raise our next round in the next two to three months, I should also have a salary bump to get closer to where I should be, but still under. Um, but I had I, ha- I was prepared to make that jump and I, I, it was easier for me to make that switch of a high risk, high reward decision that hopefully the word ruling will pay off. We'll see how that turns into. Um, and yeah, kind of going to that point of, like luck, like is when opportunity Like preparation meets opportunity. And so I got lucky of joining Immerse, uh, but I was prepared because I was saving and aggressively, I was hopping the game, like you mentioned, and I was in a financial position where I could take a huge pay cut as well as invest in Immerse um, to take that risk. And so hopefully if it pays off, we'll see, we'll see dividends from that. But um, yeah, like being prepared for that was, was uh, very grateful. And I think a really good, uh, hopefully tip for your listeners.
0: And you were even ready for that preparation meets luck moment in terms of the initial, yes, God, okay, I'm going to go into tech sales. Mm-hmm. So you even had that background and skill set to begin with by yeah. the time you met Reggie and he mm-hmm. said, hey, guess what we need? Or yeah. actually, you were offering, here's what I could give. And this is a right. very compelling skill set for mm-hmm. what you're building. And mm-hmm. so all of these yeses big and small they build on each other like a faithful mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. it will only keep on compounding mm-hmm. into kind of crazy things like it, yeah. it's peppered throughout your story yeah uh, i know that you hinted at this a little earlier of like oh. i have really neat things that i am looking forward to hopefully being able to do with uh later years in my right. life mm-hmm. what are some long-term goals and dreams that you yeah. really love to yeah
1: yeah, absolutely, and so more so than the financial independence by thirty, and then obviously want to look more and more like you just every single day. I think uh, kind of the more long-term goals, medium-term goals, hopefully a little bit faster is yeah. I'd love to keep help building immersed to the point where we can get to at least a five billion dollar market cap, which is kind of crazy, but we want to set it really, really huge. I think that'd be really fun, and then I've also we've also had a lot of friends and family invest our company, and so this idea of me working in immersed and then having friends and family from across the board through crowdfunding invest in companies and our company. Company, they are also going to reap financially from what we build and so it's it's a cool blend of excitement but weight that i feel of okay i really need to make sure i'm stewarding like what yeah. we're building because we, they're literally funding my salary to go build this and so obviously our ceo renji is doing that more so and holding that weight more so and he's, he's excellent at it and, and probably one of the most gifted skilled people i've ever met he, he's awesome and also genuinely really loves jesus cannot speak highly enough about him he's awesome um, but in the future, like, I'd love to get to a point where hopefully Lord willing immerse exits, hit some goals of being financially independent and have some more to play with. My dream is to be a full-time investor. Like I, I just love the financial markets. I think they're fascinating. It really does feel like a big game to me. And then I want to continue growing that skill set to the future where I could ideally open a hedge fund. And then I'd love to have people invest with me and maybe have partners. And then the goal of that would be to be successful from an investing standpoint, but to split a large chunk of their profits and to fund kingdom work across the world and have people come to know, Jesus support missionaries and gospel efforts. Uh, I think there should be really fun to leverage the power of huge level finance and investing skill sets to generate money and income and wealth to then distribute that to see kingdom advancement across the world that sounds really fun to me um and then in the future if that was really successful i think it'd be really really, really cool like later in life it's possible lord willing to be a reverse tither and what that means yeah. is me live off of 10 of i income. never
0: hear people talk about this mm-hmm. that's my and dream give,
1: too <laughs> and then give 90 percent of my income away that sounds really fun uh and then more on like the fun side uh, i would love i'm a huge car guy like i totally want to be that old dude with a, like a car garage like i'm italian it's like race Genes for enemy. I have to express it. I love to have like a suite of cars, and my my dream car is a Lamborghini Aventador. And so I'd love to buy one of those in the future. Uh, and I also love snow skiing, and would love to travel the world and ski all the major ski resorts across the world.
0: Holy cow. Uh, So for the vast majority of what you were just saying, I was like, wow, I cannot believe all the things that we relate on in terms of like the dream of reverse tithe and a Mm -hmm. car full or a garage full of luxury vehicles. For sure. Um, (laughs) But when you really lost me at snow skiing, I've never tried it.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's the best you have to do it. And so I was very fortunate. My parents are amazing. It took me snow skiing with my older brother basically every year growing up. And so I fell in love with the mountains and snow skiing. There's nothing like just hitting the slopes with a fresh powder day. It's, it's an exceptional experience. I mean, everyone who's a skier, snowboarder, listening can totally understand that. But I think it'd be so fun to travel the world and go do that. And specifically, I really want to go to Japan because of the way that they're, the, where they are in the climate of the earth. Apparently their snow is more fluffy and powdery, if you will. But they also have two of my other favorite things in the world that are central in Japan, which is sushi. And apparently coffee mm. is like a huge part of their culture there.
0: Sounds like a dream. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for this conversation for many reasons, but I think it, it feels really pertinent because I got an email last week that Mm -hmm. um, someone who is really uh, in a hard place in their career, wanting Mm. so much to better uh, himself, but, and just to get into something more lucrative or comfortable, even just comfortable. Mm. But he asked me, is it sinful to want to better myself? Mm. And I thought, Whoa, that at, at first, I think how I, my faith journey up until this point was getting to know my Bible enough to where mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with a theology around thriving and mm-hmm. suffering mm-hmm. both hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, because God is neither just the God of the prosperity gospel or just the deny yourself of everything, um, kind of way of living as a monk. And yet I have, I remembered many times where I actually, for whatever reason, I guess in the church communities I grew up in, Mm -hmm. had heard of implied or direct messages like that. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. is it wrong
0: to have all this sense of achievement? And uh, especially in things that garner wealth, Mm -hmm. and will give you lots of nice things in life what would Mm -hmm. your response to that question be is it sinful to better myself
1: yeah i think it's a great question um i would say no it's not a sin to want to better yourself but i think that there's always a sense of checking your heart like god always like when you look at like sins in scripture god's not more so interested in us following rules. He wants us to walk in intimacy with him and he doesn't want anything to be above him because he knows that he ultimately is better for us. And so when it comes to growth and net worth, I think um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to grow your net worth or make money. I think what the problem is when that becomes more important to you mm-hmm. than God himself and walking in relationship with him. And then you start to, you yeah. don't start to love him or start to love others. And then even in scripture, it talks about how First uh, Timothy six ten, very classic. Most people know this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Um, I think the key there is the love of money. Um, so it's not necessarily like wanting to make money, but do you love money more than God? And yeah. so you can also replace money with relationships, with status, with a career title, there's all these other things Um, but i think there's also a lot of explicit warnings in scripture to be careful and so i like i'm always i always want to have this sense of humility and i need to have accountability in my life like i don't do this perfectly so i need a lot of help and grace in this but i think setting up systems of accountability in your life to have people who know me and trust me i disclose all my financial information to like a very few close amount of friends they know how much i make they know my net worth they know how much equity i have in the company they know like how much money i give and tithe um i think having that accountability of brothers and sisters in the faith, if you're a believer, and if you're not a believer too, like, I think it's wise to pick a very close, trusted friend to have that accountability with to push you towards your goals of what your, maybe what your goals are. But specifically in this aspect of faith, um, no, like, I think God wants us to be entrepreneurial. Like, I don't think wealth generation investing is a zero-sum game, meaning I win, someone else is lose. I think that it's possible to have win-win across the board. So I don't think wealth generation is zero-sum. And so in that, I think God just wants us to walk humbly with him and be Surrender to him and then make like just continue to be in a place where like Jesus is more important than my network generation, and then having to be okay with um, if God, like, so if, like, I, always, I think about this example all the time personally, like, if immerses be successful and have an exit or real estate or whatever venture I'm part of in the future, and it's wildly successful, and God's like, Hey, I want you to sell everything and come follow me, like, I want to be able to have the resolve and the love in my heart and allegiance to Jesus to say yes, and like, I want to do that, and so I would need a lot of grace and help if that. I came across that point, but he could do that. Um, But I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to bed yourself. No, I think God wants us to be entrepreneurial and to be work hard and to be good stewards of what we have. I think he just doesn't want that to be above loving him. And I think there's lots of ways we can help protect that. But I think you need accountability. You need people in your life and you begin to the word and just have like a continued sentiment of humility and surrendering, surrendering that to Jesus.
0: Amen, amen, and maybe go read again what you mentioned—the parable yeah. of the talents in Matthew yeah. chapter twenty-five. Just mm-hmm. read it like three, five, ten times, and just really let it sink in yeah. of how much of life actually is modeled in that. It's mm-hmm. a lot of free will. It's not a joke. We're not just mm-hmm. puppets on a string, mm-hmm. um, and He wants us to. Uh, steward our abilities and mm-hmm. whatever resources we're given like the examples of those talents and make mm-hmm. more for him mm-hmm. um, yeah. and not because he needs it like act 17 mm-hmm. says as if he's served by human hands he does not need mm-hmm. our help but just mm-hmm. because it glorifies him and mm-hmm. the fun human project was always meant yeah. to start as a garden and end as a city so yeah Thank you so much for your perspective on this. Is there anything that you would like to underscore or reiterate in what you shared in the conversation?
1: No, I I think that's it. I had a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully this is really helpful for your listeners. I just want to encourage y'all, like take risk and be bold, like go run after what you feel like God's calling you to do. Um, And especially for those who are more interested in investing in finance, like jump in now, like you'll be so happy when you're later by taking that risk now, jumping in. And really the three pillars that you can focus on now are look to ways to continue to increase your savings. So live below means, find ways to increase your income and then start learning about investing. And then once opportunities come to present yourself, you'll have the finances and the means to do it. um and then love jesus if you don't know jesus he's great highly consider him please he's awesome best
0: investment i could recommend for sure thank you so much gavin Dang, just like I promised this was a super special episode, I'm sure you agree. And also, if you would like to work with me to get your career strategy and vision in place, you could apply for one of my one-on-one career coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in the next three to six months, whether that's landing a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether. Uh, you can head to my website and apply for a free 60-minute career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com slash services. The program is selective and the spots are limited to five each month. That is kelseykemp.com slash services. And you could also follow along with my free career tips and behind-the-scenes clips when you follow... I didn't mean for that to rhyme. That was super cute. So you could follow along with me on Instagram at Kelsey underscore that called career or LinkedIn at Kelsey Kemp, both linked down in the show notes. If this episode was impactful to you, don't forget to tag me and share it. And I will see you next week on Answer the Call.